Hi, welcome to Pitt Town Church. We are so glad that you're listening to this podcast. We pray that this sermon encourages you in your walk with Jesus. If you would like more information, check out our website at www.pitttownchurch.com. We're now going to have our Bible reading, which comes from Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 to 40. I'll give you a moment uh, if you've got a device with you or, or a paper Bible to turn there. That's Matthew chapter 22. It'll also be on the screen behind me. Matthew 22, beginning at verse 34. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they came together. And one of them, an expert in the law, asked a question to test him. Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? He said to him, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Great to see you all here. Let me, uh, let me open in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you have loved us in the Lord Jesus on the cross. And Father, we thank you that you have loved us by giving us your word that we can know you. And Father, we pray now as we come to look at this passage, that you would help us, that you would show us your love again by helping us to understand your word, that we might become more and more the people that you have saved us to be. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, apart from KFC, Thai food, Thai food is uh, my next favorite takeaway, eat-in type food. And when it comes to Thai food, I have a guiding principle, a law, if you will. And the law is that the quality of the facility or the quality of the decor is inversely proportional to the quality of the food. I'll say that again, just in case. The quality of the facility or the quality of the decor is inversely proportional to the quality of the food. What that means is that uh, the more rubbish the place looks, the better the food will be. And the nicer that the building looks, or the nicer that the chairs are, the less nice the food will be. That's my law. I call it Hamilton's law of Thai food. Now, I'm sure, like, I'm sure you think a similar thing. I didn't make it up. I just named it. But I'm sure you think a similar thing. And it might not just be with Thai food either. It might be with other types of food as well. But I'm sure that's how it works when it comes to Thai food. That is, what is on the surface doesn't always tell you much about what's going on behind the scenes. And that's kind of old wisdom really, isn't it? Like you don't judge a book by its cover. 
The problem is I judge pretty much every book by its cover. That's just what I do. But we know that it doesn't matter how shiny the paint is or how polished the rims are. If there's no engine under the bonnet, then the car's not going to go anywhere. We know it doesn't matter how perfectly manicured the lawn is, that that doesn't mean anything about whether it's happy families behind the door. We know this. What's on the inside is almost always more important than what's on the outside. And we know this is true. And if you're not totally sure that that's true, if you're not persuaded, then I reckon I can convince you with just one word, just a single word. If you're not sure that what's on the inside is almost always more important than what's on the outside, then I think I can change your mind with a single word. You want to know what that word is? The word is refrigerator. So it doesn't matter how nice the fridge looks on the outside. If the fridge is empty on the inside, then you will still be hungry. It's what's on the inside that's important when it comes to a fridge, not what's on the outside. And you know this is true. Don't you know how much it hurts when people judge you and make a decision about you purely based on what you look like on the outside before they even give you a chance to prove who you are or what you're really like. You know how much it can hurt when people write you off because of what's on the outside and they don't ever give you a chance to show them who you really are. When they just write you off because you're too old or too young or too westy or too fat or too scary or too ugly or whatever. And they just look at you on the outside and they write you off and they don't even give you a chance to prove yourself because it's all about what's on the outside. And you know when that kind of thing happens, you know how much it hurts. You, you know how unfair it is. And when it comes to being a disciple, when it comes to following Jesus, it's very easy to focus on the outside and make sure everything, you get everything looking good on the outside to make sure that you say the right things and you go to the right places and you pray the right prayers. It's possible to try and spend so much time getting all of that right on the outside, but for things to be very different on the inside. Maybe you, you're here and you've got it all happening on the outside, everything's under control and you arrive on time and you, you, know, you, you pop out of the car and the smile is on and you play happy families and you sing the songs with passion and you say amen to all the prayers when you're supposed to, you nod during the sermon, you do all the things. And it, everything might seem under control on the outside, but you know on the inside, you're just like a fridge before shopping day that maybe it all looks good and under control on the outside, but on the inside, you're empty. Because what, what we're going to do tonight is we're continuing our Vital Signs series as we head into, like Trav said, the second half. And we've looked at the coconut, the pineapple, the orange, faithfully 
follow Jesus, being a gospel spreader and prayerfully gathering around God's word. And now we've come to the watermelon, Christ-like character. And Christ-like character shows itself in lots of ways, in, in lots of things. But there's two main sources where everything else Christ-like character-esque all flow out from. Two main things. And, and these sources overlap. And maybe they're even just two ways to say the same thing. But it's love and it's servanthood. And every other manifestation of Christ-like character flows from those two things. And maybe servanthood is really the main way that love for others kind of shows itself. But next week, we're going to dig into servanthood. And this week, we are diving into loving others. And what we're going to see is that when it comes to discipleship, like the rest of real life, what's on the inside is almost always more important than what's on the outside. And what we're going to see is how loving others and loving yourself how they relate to each other. And maybe actually that might even be a bit surprising. Now, when we talk about what's on the inside, we're talking about character. And your character is who you are on the inside. It's, it's what you're really like. What do you really believe in? What do you really stand for? What would you die for? That's character. Character's things like pride or humility. It's honesty or, you know, spin and cover up. It's being unreliable or being reliable. It's patient or impatient, kindness or meanness, those kind of things. Character is who you are when no one's watching. It's who you are on the inside for real. Because it's easy to pretend. It's easy to put on like a character without actually having the character. It's easy to put on a mask or a facade or a front and just pretend, just pretend to be humble, just pretend to be kind. And you can do that for a little bit, but you can't keep that up. The mask always comes off because what's on the inside is always more important and what's on the inside always comes out. But character is who you are on the inside. It's who you are when no one's watching. It's what you would do if you knew that no one would see, no one would know, and you would never get caught. That's character. What would you do if you knew no one would ever find out? That's who you really are. I had a friend who used to work in Maya, and the way that the shop worked, like most kind of shops except for Rouse Hill, they're all, there's no windows because the idea is they don't want you to see that it's such a lovely, a lovely you know, time outside and they don't want you to know that the sun has really moved, you've been in here for a long time. So there's no, they normally don't put any windows in shops and this shop was the same, no windows so you could just shop. And uh, one time the power went out. And what they had was some kind of generator that would sort of gear up and turn the lights on, but it took a bit of time for it to kind of pump itself up. So the lights went off and it was pitch black in the whole shop. Like you couldn't see anything. 
And my friend said, immediately, as soon as the lights were off, people started stealing stuff. You couldn't see, but you could hear it happening. They just started looting the place immediately. And then he said that once the lights came on, he caught this little old lady stealing a toaster, trying to shove it in her handbag. And when he kind of stopped her and caught her and confronted her and asked her what she was doing and why she stole this toaster, she said that she didn't know. She didn't know why. And she said she didn't even need a toaster at her house. She had one and it was fine. It was just that the lights were off and she just grabbed it. Isn't that fascinating? Character is who you really are. Character is who you are when you think no one's watching. Character is who you are and what you would do if you thought you could get away with it. That's character. And we're going to talk about Christ-like character. It's about who you are on the inside, who you're really like, becoming more like Jesus. That you would think and feel and act and react like him. So let's jump into Matthew 22. We had it read out just earlier. I'm going to read the whole thing. It's not very big. And then we'll, uh, and then we'll talk about it. Matthew 22, starting at verse 34. Matthew says, When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they came together. And one of them, an expert in the law, asked a question to test him. Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? He said to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. Now, if you were here way back in week one, then this passage might sound a bit familiar. Because back in week one, it was Luke chapter 10. And Jesus asked a lawyer, what does the law say? And the lawyer gives Jesus pretty much this exact same answer. The lawyer says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And he added, and your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus, back in Luke 10, he said, go and do likewise. And I said that Jesus didn't actually want us to go and do likewise. But now here we are. And what I'm about to say is we are to go and do likewise. And so I could imagine you sitting there thinking to yourself, well, that's confusing. What, what do you want? What are you talking about? Are we supposed to go and do likewise or not? Explain yourself, preacher. Well, here's, here's the distinction, and this is very important. Back in Luke 10, week one, the lawyer asked Jesus, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? That was, that was the question. What, what do I have to do for 
God to accept me? What do I have to do to be right with God? And the answer to that question is not be good. The answer is not be moral. The answer is not be religious. The answer is not do the law. It is not the right answer. Eternal life is a gift. It's by grace. It's given to you. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. It's given to you. The number one thing, the absolute top priority, first important thing is to come to Jesus, is to be with Jesus, is to receive from Jesus. That has to go first. And then once that's in place, then there's a certain way to live that flows from that. But not to earn it, not in order to keep it, that's yours, it's a gift. But because now in Jesus, you're a different person, you're a new person, well, now you have a whole new way to live. That's the way that it works. But it's so important. If you get those two things in the wrong order, if you think instead of it being God accepts you and now I live a new way, if you get that back the other way, and if you think you need to be and do in order for God to love you or accept you, if you put it like this, you will perish. You'll perish. This is the wrong order. It doesn't work like this. It goes the other way. And it's so important. This is why. Love your neighbor, love God, was wrong in week one, but is correct now, it's because in week one, it was the wrong place for it. It was, it was the wrong order. Love God and love others is not how you start. It's how you finish. You start with faith. You start with trust. You start with grace. It's a gift. Salvation is given to you. You don't pay for it. Jesus pays for it and he pays for it on the cross. And then you never pay him back. It's a gift from start until the very end. It's always a gift. You never pay him back. But now that you've started, now that you're on his team, he has now a whole new way for you to live. Not to earn anything, but because, because you don't have to earn anything just because you want to become like him. See, because if, if Jesus is your treasure, if he is the most impressive person that you've ever met, if he is the singular, most remarkable, most inspiring person that you've ever met, then you'll want to become like him, obviously. You know, who, who do you want to become like? Well, I want to become like the most amazing person I've ever met, obviously. And that's, and that's Jesus. That's why love God and love your neighbor goes here, not at the start, because this is what Jesus is like, and we want to become like him. The Bible talks a lot about the fact that we become what we worship. 
We become what we love. And so you become like whatever it is you treasure the most. And so if Jesus is your treasure, if you love him the most, then you'll become like him. But what is Jesus like? What is God like? What are they like at their most basic? And the answer is 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. God is love. And so growth in character means growth in godliness. It means growth in Christ-likeness. That's the same thing. Become like Jesus, become like God. That's the same thing. And, and when you become like Jesus, when you, when you become like God, you don't become like more powerful or able to judge people. That's, that's his and his alone. When you become like Jesus or when you become like God, you become like his character. And so our hearts start to become like his heart. You start to love the things that he loves and you start to love them the way that he loves them. And Jesus loves people. And so we are to love others like Jesus loves them. And the way that Jesus puts it here in Matthew 22 is that we are to love others as we love ourselves. We are to love our neighbor as ourself. Now, just before we move on, just to get one thing clear. When, sometimes when people hear that we are to love others, we imagine it like we're supposed to turn around to the person who's sitting behind us and just look them deep in the eyes and say, I love you. But that's, that's not what it means. Right, that's heaps weird. That's, that's not the way that it means. It's not like when we're talking about loving others that it means that we're supposed to like hold hands with each other and go pick out curtains and share an ice cream cone and ride a tandem bike. That's not what it means. Because that's not how I love myself. Loving myself is not romance. It's not self-esteem either. It's not that I tell myself I'm such a great guy. What a great person I am. That's not what it means. It doesn't mean that I'm like telling myself that I'm enough. It's not what it means. Maybe you're enough. Maybe you're not. You're probably not. But it's not that I think I I don't love myself because I think I'm such a good person. Because I'm not a good person. I know that. I do all kinds of things, make all kinds of choices that are not noble or honorable or courageous. I, I already know that. So then what does it mean to love yourself? Well, here's what it means. Loving yourself is a commitment to pursuing my own good as far as I'm in control of it. That's what it means. To love yourself means that you pursue your own good as far as you're in control of it. That's how I love myself. What does that look like? Well, it looks like I make sure that I eat. I make sure that I get rest. I make sure that things are going okay for me. I get upset when people hurt me or when they neglect me. That's what it means to love yourself. 
I make sure that things are going well for me as best I can and I get upset when they don't and I try and do something to fix it. That's what it means. When I'm hungry, I get myself something to eat. When my pillow's no good, I get a new pillow. When I, my, my clothes are old, I get new clothes. That's just what it means. It's so basic that we sometimes even forget that we're doing it. Even if we have low or no self-esteem, you will still treat yourself like this. It's just what it means. And so then, what does it mean to love others like you love yourself? How do you treat others the same way that you treat yourself? Well, it means that you would be committed to their good as far as you're in control of it. That's what it means. If I am committed to your good with the same passion and the same enthusiasm and seriousness as I'm committed to my own, that's what it means to love you like I love myself. That I would be as committed to you flourishing as I am committed to me flourishing. That's what it is. Are we just as committed to seeing good things happen to you as I would be seeing good things happen to me? That I would seek your good with as much enthusiasm and as much gusto as I would my own good? That's crazy. Just think about that. I don't love anybody like that except for me. And Jesus says that's what it means to love others that you would love them with just as much enthusiasm for their good as you would be about your own good. That's wild. That's crazy. But that's what he says. How do you keep loving a person who keeps on doing the wrong thing over and over again? How do you love a person who keeps on pursuing, you know, you want to pursue their good but they keep constantly doing the wrong thing. Maybe even sometimes doing the wrong thing against you. How do you keep loving and seeking the good of someone else who does the wrong thing over and over and over again? That's a hard, that's a hard question, don't you think? That's a hard circumstance. How do you love a person like that? Well, you know what the answer is? The answer is that you love them like you love yourself because you do the wrong thing over and over and over again. Probably before you get home, you'll probably do 10 things that you disapprove of and that disappoint you, but you'll still go home, make yourself a sandwich, have a glass of water. That is, you'll still be committed to seeking your own good as far as you're in control of it. That is, you will still love yourself, even though you did so many things that you disapprove of. Even if you despise what you've done, you will keep on loving yourself. I don't love myself by thinking all the time that I'm such a great guy or by having good feelings about myself. Sometimes I feel horrible about myself and about what I've done and how I've behaved or the things that I've said or whatever. Sometimes I feel terrible. 
I don't love myself because I'm particularly good and moral. I love myself because I am myself. And I'm committed to my good as far as I'm in control of it. Even when I dislike what I've done, I will still make myself a sandwich. I'll still make sure I'm warm enough. I'll still make sure I buy the thing that I've been saving up for. That is, even when you don't like yourself, you still love yourself. You're still committed to your own good as far as you're in control of it. This is what it looks like to love your neighbor as yourself. Even when they let you down, even when they behave poorly, even when you don't like them, you can still commit yourself to doing them good as far as you can. And the reason why is because that's how you treat yourself. Makes sense when you put it like that. It's just really hard to do. This is what it looks like to have a heart like Jesus. This is what it looks like to become like Jesus. This is what it looks like to grow in Christ-like character. This is what it looks like to love others. It doesn't mean that you'll feel warmly about them, that you'll feel fuzzy towards them. Maybe you will, maybe you won't. But what it means is you'll be committed to their good. You'll be committed to seeing them flourish as much as you can control it. And just to say again, because it's so easy to get this confused and backwards, we don't do these things to earn anything. We don't do these things to make God love us. God already loves you. You don't have to earn anything from him ever, ever. He loves you and his love is not the finishing line. His love is the starting line. You do these things not so that he'll love you. You do these things because he loves you and you want to be like him. That's how it works. But also, did you know that God is even more committed to seeing you become Christ-like than you are? He is way more committed to seeing this happen in your life than you are. God is, he is on your, he's on your side when it comes to this one. We know that this is something that God is doing in your life. He's actively involved in creating this in you by the power of his spirit. And we know that because that's what the Bible says. Romans chapter 8, you might have looked at this in your personal Bible readings a few weeks ago or maybe in your growth group. Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 29, it says, God works all things so that you would be conformed into the image of his son. Just think about that. All things, all the things. That's a lot of things. And God works all things, so that you would be conformed to the image of his son. That is, that you would become more Christ-like. And so isn't that good? Everything that happens to you is specifically designed to make you more Christ-like. 
That's the destination that you're headed to. Isn't that good news? God is already at work to, in, in your life to make you more like Jesus, to grow your character. And so no matter what happens in your life, in my life, and like we said weeks ago, there's a lot of things that happen that I don't know why they happen. The secret things belong to the Lord. But those that have been revealed belong to us, belong to me. And one of the things that's been revealed is that when things happen, especially painful things or confusing things, things where I don't know what the reasons are, why is this happening, don't know, it means I always know at least one reason why it's happening. It's happening so that I would be more and more conformed into the likeness of his son. Everything that happens, I know at least one reason why it's happening, to make me more like Jesus. And that is extraordinarily comforting. And it's comforting because that is the one thing that I want more in life than literally everything else, anything else. I want to be like Jesus more than I want security and money and fame and success and lifestyle, comfort. More than any of those things, I want to be like him. And so it's comforting to know that in all things, that's what's happening. And so two questions here as we wrap it up. Question number one, if you knew that there was a prayer that you could pray and you would be guaranteed that God would answer it, what would stop you from praying it? If there was a prayer that you knew 100% guaranteed God would answer it, would you pray it? Because if you prayed that God would grow your character to become more like Jesus, there is 100% certainty that God would say yes to that prayer because he's already doing it. And so you know that's what he wants. And so what would be stopping you from praying a prayer like that? What, what would stop you from saying something like, dear God, please make me more like Jesus? That's question number one. Question number two. Who is it that God is calling on you to love? Because maybe it's someone that you've struggled to love like you love yourself. Who is that person and what would it look like if you loved them like this? Maybe it's a member of your family. Maybe it's someone here at church. Don't look at them. Just think in your own head who it is. Maybe it's someone here. Maybe it's someone that you work with. Maybe someone that you live near. Maybe it's, maybe it's that kid at school that no one else likes. Maybe it's a teacher. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your husband. Maybe it's your wife. Who is it? Who is it who maybe God is calling on you to love them as you love yourself? And what would it look like if you loved them like that? Where you sought their good as far as you could control it. 
Because a vital sign of following Jesus is Christ-like character. As you follow Jesus, you will become like him. And you will love people like he loves people. And you love them by being committed to their good as far as you're in control of it. Christ-like character is the destination that you are headed to, guaranteed. And so you will love people like you love yourself, that you would be committed to their good as far as you're in control of it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for Jesus' love for us that took him even as far as the cross to bring about our good so that we would flourish. And Father, we do pray that you would help us to be like him more and more, bit bit by bit, that we would increasingly be conformed into the image of your son, that we would imitate him. And Father, we do pray for each one of us that you would help us little bit by little bit to love others the way that we love ourselves. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.